Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hello and welcome to Wednesday on the Sing Second Sports Special Army Week coverage. I am Chris Cervello. I'm filling in for John Schofield. Uh, given our coverage, uh, John and I are going blue and gold. Uh, so I am the gold side uh, and it is my job this morning to help kick this pod off. In our opening segment that we'll get to here in a second, we are joined by my classmate, class of 99, Mike James, uh, who provides expert analysis for the Rivals Network. Uh, Mike has been on this pod many times, and you can't have an Army Week podcast without talking to Mike James. And joining Mike is our special guest, as always, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol and Baltimore Sun. Um, after our opening segment, um, we are going to roll into uh, a segment with Alexa Riddle. Uh, again, you can't have an Army Week pod without talking to uh, a plebe. So in our discussion with uh, Midshipman 4th Class Riddle, we are going to talk about uh, Army Week, her first Army Week. We're going to talk about what life uh, of a plebe is like during Army Week and what she's thought about her first couple months at the Naval Academy. We'll then go to a, a great interview with Carrie Colat, uh, who will give you an early season look at our wrestling team. And then we'll wrap it up with uh, a conversation with Craig Washington of the Class of 89, uh, who is a VP at the Alumni Association. Craig's going to kind of give his perspective on uh, what the year back was like, uh, you know, what the fall season brought for the Alumni Association and all of the tailgaters and reunions that the Alumni Association helped bring uh, together. And then he'll talk about what the Alumni Association has in store uh, for Army. He also talks about a prank that he and his classmates put together uh, during the March on when he was a firstie at the Naval Academy. So stick around for that. But without further ado, let's uh, let's jump into it. As I mentioned, uh, we're joined by my classmate, uh, Class of 99, Mike James from the Rivals Network and our special guest and expert commentator, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol and the Baltimore Sun Newspapers. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us this morning. Mike, let's start with you. Uh, Navy wins if they do what on offense this week? Well, I think one of the, the keys to any surface Academy game is it kind of comes down to how well, um, how well you can do the thing that the other team doesn't expect you to do. You know, you look at surface Academy games in the past. Um, it's the, the teams know each other so well that, that it's come down to um, just, you know, what, what kind of things can you spring on the other team, whether it's a trick play or sometimes, it Navy's unleashed whole new offenses at times, you know, to try to avoid these, you know, 14 to 10, 16 to 10 kind of games. And you saw this in the army air force game. Um, the, the two teams stopped each other when they were running the ball, they, but it's throwing the ball where the game was won. If Navy can figure out something, um, pull a little something out of their hat, maybe um, then, then that's probably their best bet. 
Wags, you wrote about this yesterday a little bit in uh, your uh, your article for the Capitol. Um, you talked, uh, you know, you highlighted the the f- success that Navy's had with reverses. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts? I mean, is that what it's going to take a trick play here and there, or something different uh, for Navy to uh, get you know to best the Army defense that's pretty well prepared for the triple? Well, I definitely think that both teams will pull out a trick play. It's a matter of what. Uh, I don't know. Navy may have gone to the well a little too often on the Jade Numbarger reverse, although it's really uncanny how often it's worked successfully, considering that you know teams have scouted Navy and know that 87 is a guy that to look for on the reverse. But Army will you know have their guys well prepared and make sure they stay home to avoid that. So it could be a different trick play. Maybe it's a a pass, you know, where they pitch it to Chance Warren. He throws a, a gadget, you know, some sort of uh, option pass. So we'll see something, and I'm sure Army will have a few things up his sleeve. And, you know, Munkin, Jeff Munkin, the Army coach, talked on his presser this week about that very fact that it's several times Navy has come out and done completely different offense, uh, op, you know, gotten in the shotgun, done zone, you know, a lot of zone running plays. So. And that's one of the things that Mike and I are going to talk about here today is triple option. And we're going to hear triple option offense numerous times on the broadcast, CBS broadcast on Saturday. And I'm writing a story, Chris, this week about the fact that Jeff Munkin and Kendi Amatololo both acknowledge that they do not run strictly triple option offenses anymore. Army has gone with what is more of a power zone option running game. That's kind of what they hang their hat on now. They're running a lot of fullback quarterback between the tackles. They're not running the triple as far as you know reading it and possibly taking it outside for the for the pitch. And Navy has and Mike has been on top of this long before anyone. He has been writing about it on the mid report that he does, that Navy is not running strictly true triple option offense anymore. They've incorporated a lot of things. And as I've mentioned on this pod and on the Believe in Navy football podcast, there's a lot of design plays, predetermined plays, called plays that, you know, the offensive coaching staff and Coach Niamatololo are calling a play. And Ty Lavatai is not reading his dive key and then if the if it's a not a give to the fullback taking it outside and reading the pitch key as often anymore and mike i wanted you to comment that on that and i'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about when i broached this subject at the army navy press conference with coach munkin and coach niamatololo they had some interesting things to say as to why they have quote evolved away from the true triple option offense that was pioneered and developed by their mentor, Paul Johnson. So Mike, kind of weigh in on this topic, uh, and we've talked about this in the past. Well, I think kind of when you when you look at, at why things have kind of evolved, you know, it's, it's a couple of reasons. One, and there was actually a, an article in The Athletic about it this morning, is that, and coaches know this, there's a triple option coach stigma. So if you're looking to, to kind of sell yourself as a coach, it's hard to do that when you're labeled as an option coach, and they know that. So I don't 
you know, they, 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 they don't want to hang their hat too much on the triple um, or they don't want, even if they do run it, they don't want to, to admit it basically just because for, for whatever reason, people, you know, it's, it's a stigma. Um, but really the reason why offenses have, have evolved is that the teams play each other. And we kind of touched on that a couple minutes ago, but when, when you're, you're so much when you're at army or Navy depends on how you do against the other team. And if you cannot move the ball against that other team, because they know each other so well, then you have to, you know, find other ways to, to move the ball. And that's really, at least in Navy's case, that's really where a lot of this started, where um, you, you see a lot of the, the zone elements, a lot of the shotgun stuff is it's from, it's from the other service Academy games and they practice it so much that it's kind of, you defeat you, you spend so much time on it in practice that you have to start using it elsewhere. Otherwise it's, it's kind of a waste if you're only saving it for two games. So it's, it's been, it, it causes problems too when the more time you spend on, you know, these other elements, the less time you're spend per, spend perfecting the option and things start to get a little sloppy. And I think part of Navy's issue over the maybe a little less so this year, but, but certainly in, in the past is that they've gotten so, you know, it's been so questionable with running the option. You see penalties, you see sloppy plays, you see mistakes um, that I think just have stemmed from just not s- devoting themselves kind of full time to it the way they had in the past. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so here, when I had this discussion with uh, Coach Neil Matalolo and Coach Munkin at the Army Navy press conference, I, I, kind of was under the impression that Army was still more true to the Paul Johnson style of option offense. And I asked Coach Monk, and he says, you know, we, we don't run as much triple either. Um, you know, both of them still do run the triple option at times. Let's be clear about that. It's just it's, it, when Paul Johnson was at Navy, it was a triple option almost every play. Now, Paul Johnson had some design plays as well. There was times when he called fullback dive, or he said, go out and we're going to make this a pitch, or it's a quick pitch. So he had called plays, but far more of the Paul Johnson offense was basically the call was triple option, and it was the quarterback's job to read it and make sure the ball got where it was supposed to be. Now, Coach Nehemiah said one of the reasons they've had to evolve was because they're in a conference, and now these teams are prepping for the option they, they have practice periods in the spring and in fall camp. They're prepping for it, and, and they're, they're more – and they're seeing it every year. I mean, you play Houston every year, and they've got multiple guys have played against the option before. So there's not as much, as Ivan Jasper likes to say, option factor, um, whereas when it, Navy was an independent, they play a team, you know, back-to-back years, and they're off the schedule, and it's a new school. So – there, there, there was an option factor. Teams would see it once a year. But uh, so that's one thing. And then when Army, I asked, why are you not running as much option? And he said it's because of the independent schedule they play and they have no idea how teams are going to defend them. And another thing that Coach Munkin mentioned, he said that defenses are doing a much better job of what he called muddling it up and making it hard to get the reads. and. You know, he basically 
it, it's so much to teach the quarterback. If you see this front, you got to do read this key. If you see that front, you have to read a different key. Uh, should we load the linebacker or not load the linebacker? So, you know, and I, it seems to me that a lot of this comes down to preparing and teaching your quarterback how to read it. And that's very difficult. And I remember Navy, Coach Niamatololo talked about Navy pioneered what the, he calls the double flex. We've also referred to it as the tight formation, where they bring the receivers in tight and they become extra blockers. Well, that was done during the time that Ricky Dobbs was the quarterback. And everyone knows, and Ricky just admitted it on our Believe in Navy football podcast, he didn't do a very good job of reading the option. So they took it out of his hands, and Ricky was like another fullback. So they kind of created an offense that made it easier for Ricky to run inside between the tackles. So Mike, kind of uh, take it up from there, uh, commenting on some of what I just have mentioned. So that's kind of a mouthful there. So I'll see if I can get back to a couple of things here. Um, I think when you you look at at how the offenses ha- have evolved, I think regardless of whatever else you do, you still have to run the 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 triple first. And I think I mean Johnson called plenty of plays that weren't the triple option, but everything always started with the triple option because the way the offense worked is you run the triple. You see how the defense is adjusting to try to stop the triple, and that opens up a whole different set of plays. What you're seeing, particularly with Navy, and I don't look, watch our Army as much, but definitely with the case with Navy, is they don't always they don't always start with the triple anymore. It's not you start with the triple, see how it goes, and then and then call your other plays. They're starting with running other things, and the problem with that is is that those plays don't open up unless teams are, unless the defenses are focused on stopping the triple option. And there are different examples of that in, in play action passing in, in, you know, you're running these counter options. You're, you're trying to take advantage of the ways the defense is, is overplaying things. You know, if you don't, if you can't run the triple, you really can't do anything. One of the, if you want to talk to if you if you're talking to someone about football and you want to have a, a quick tell about whether or not you want to pay attention to anything this guy has to say, if they call the option a gimmick offense, then you can go ahead and ignore that person because there is there is nothing less gimmicky about foot about the option than I mean it couldn't be less gimmicky because the the for, fundamentally the option is about the basics of football it's about getting numbers and blocking angles that that is just football basics that's the whole thing and that when when you don't run and the reason why the triple works is that you make it an 11 versus 9 game you naturally have a numbers advantage because you're taking two defenders out of the equation right away because you're reading them so they're at that point they should be non-factors so if you can make it 11 versus 9, then you have a chance to, I mean, if, if you have a two-man advantage, then a Navy can play with a team like Notre Dame or something. But when you start running these other plays, it's not 11 versus 9 anymore. If you're only reading one guy, well, then it's 11 versus 10. Or if you're just calling a, a predetermined carry, then you're just trying to man up one-on-one with the other team. And you're losing that inherent advantage. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, but the way Army and Navy have kind of 
kind of moved away from it is, is kind of a different path. For Army, it's been a lot more fullback focused. They run a lot of these fullback traps, a lot of these bellies plays, trying to keep it between the tackles, whereas Navy has been focused more on the quarterback. And you'll see, you know, players like Will Worth and Malcolm Perry. You know, Zach Gaby was on his way to, to before he got hurt. He was on his way to almost a 2,000-yard rushing season himself before he got his bell rung against UCF. You know, it's always been a lot more with Navy. It's been a lot more like the outside zone and trying to, to get the, the quarterback involved. So, you know, I think and I think in Navy's case, at least this year, and maybe Coach Neumatololo doesn't want to, to admit it for, you know, whatever reason, but they've tried to get more to the, the, the triple. Um, certainly, if you watched the ECU game, that was that was all option. It was triple, midline triple for, for the bulk of it. Um, in a temple, you know, when they've played their best, that's what they've been able to do. It's just a question. And you, like you said, the quarterback has to be comfortable with it. Um, and in Navy's case, they've had, you know, two sophomore quarterbacks duking it out. You know, a lot of sophomore quarterbacks have had a hard time running the option. You, you know, the, you, that's why you like to have that, that pipeline where, where, you know, you kind of prime the pump so that there's always a next guy ready to come up when you're running two huddles in army's case, they've just had a lot of turnover where they're juggling a couple different quarterbacks all year. So it's hard to get that, that one guy with in, in the rhythm. So I do think that, you know, getting a quarterback ready to go um, is a big, is a big cause of it too, of, of why they're trying to run other things. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think fundamentally you want, you would want to run the triple because it's sound football. You know, there's nothing, you know, other defenses can do what, what they do, but when they do other things, that should op- that should open up more of these these other plays. Um, but you have to have the quarterback and the team ready to go, and that's been at least for Navy this year. That's been that's been their biggest struggle. So let, let me jump in um, j- just because we're we're running out of time on this uh, this first segment. Um, I, I wanted to get both of your thoughts very quickly on the defense, Mike. Before we came on uh, to the pod, you and I were talking about the injuries, and that actually you may have more concerns on the defensive side of the ball, despite how well they they've played. That these injuries may catch up with them. Um, let me hear your thoughts on on the defense and maybe some concerns that you have going into Saturday. Yeah, I think even the the Navy offenses that have been playing up to par you know, they've always struggled in service Academy games because the defense that they're facing always plays them so well. And you, to keep them, to keep Navy in the game, you count, you, you kind of count on, on your defense being able to do the same thing to the other offense. And that was really the case for most of the air force game, but that was really a different defense at that point. They've seen so many injuries, you know, there it's, you wonder, are, are they going, how well are prepared are they going to be to, to, to face army to, to play the option, you know, army, they're not a passing team, but against air force, they made their biggest plays in the passing game. So you have a really young secondary now, how well are they going to react? Who's going to get the big plays? Cause you know, it's going to be three yards on a cloud of dust uh, for most of the game, but it's whoever's going to be able to create those big play opportunities. That's really going to make the difference. And if those big plays are in the passing game, you wonder how Navy secondary is going to respond. So that's kind of the concern is is young guys getting their eyes right when you and not getting lulled to sleep by by playing their option assignments. Yeah, I agree. The uh, defense is I mean, there's guys playing defense for Navy now that did not play against the Air Force early in the season. They have no experience against the option. And you you just said it, the eyes. You have to have your eyes right. 
And uh, I am concerned, you know, Colin Ramos, he's a freshman inside linebacker. That's a crucial tackling position in Navy's defense. He made his first career start against Temple. And it, it's more, it appears he'll be starting against Army. You know, is he ready? You know, Newberry had two weeks to prepare, and he needed all of that time because he had to drill these guys. And he said Navy did a lot of good on good at full speed to try to get the defenders accustomed to seeing a, a real good triple option team to see uh, get up to speed. Much of the the season we talked about concerns on special teams. The last couple games, things the the ship seems to have been uh, been righted. Um, Mike, any concerns on the special teams, either in how we defend or in our ability to uh, you know maybe take advantage of the the other side's mistakes? I would actually push back a little bit on the whole special teams thing. I actually think maybe special teams uh, as a whole, after the first couple of games, have played pretty well. What what's really been a problem has been kick coverage, but every other aspect of special teams has actually been, been doing pretty well. The return game has been pretty good. uh, Nichols has been, you know, automatic as a, as a place kicker, you know, there's been a lot of good things. So I I think, you know, I don't know if the same kind of, if if, if army has the same kind of problems in kick coverage or or threat in, in kickoffs and in punt returns that the Navy is used to facing in the American athletic conference. So, I actually think maybe you know, I might have a pretty good, pretty good shot. You know, I think they're better at field goal kickers. So if, if it comes to a field position game, you know, if Nichols can can make some of these long distance kicks, then that might actually be a little bit of an advantage. So that might be something that that maybe can lean on. Wags. Yeah, I agree, Mike. And uh, I'll add Riley Reefman, the freshman punter, has been pretty darn good. He's been booming some big time punts and flipping the field. And then, how great would it be to see Mikel Haywood? Uh, break one and take it back to the house. Army did have an issue. They gave up a kickoff return for touchdown at the start of the Ball State game, which was one of their three losses. So I agree. The problem has been punt and kickoff coverage. That's where Navy's given up huge plays. Now, early in the season, we did see some other gaffes, you know, botched field goal attempts, blocked field goal attempts. Um, But those have been cleaned up. And for the most part, you're right. Navy's been fairly solid on special teams. And Kicking game with Bijan Nichols and Riley Reithman has been solid. Return game, Chance Warren's been pretty uh, steady other than the one-muff punt early in the season. Uh, he's been pretty steady as the punt returner. And as we know, Mikel Haywood has provided a, a, a completely new spark as the kickoff returner. He's a threat to go all the way at any time. Gents, thank you very much. Uh, th- this is a great opening segment. Mike, our only win uh, in the four years that we were there w- was at the Meadowlands. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow that, that translates into to good luck uh, as we head into uh, to Saturday. Do you want to make a prediction? I'm not going to ask you for the score, but uh, a- any prediction before you go out? I think it's going to be a typical low-scoring game. Uh it ter- de- defined by by turnovers and big plays. You know, not exactly the most profound thing in when it comes to these games, but they're they're all the same. You know, it's hard to make any. Uh, it's hard it's hard to to differentiate because they really all come down to the same thing. So it's whoever keeps their head. Sounds great, Bill. I'm going to ask you to hold your prediction till uh, till Friday. But uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk to plebe soccer sensation Alexa Riddle. Although we're not going to talk to her that much about soccer, we're going to ask her what life is like as a plebe in the hall during her first Army week. You're listening to Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. 
coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 5 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. All right, hey, we are back. It's time for the athlete segment here on our daily pod extravaganza in preparation for the Army-Navy game on Saturday at East Rutherford up in Nueva Jersey. We are really happy to be joined by what I think is a friend of the pod, Alexa Riddle, uh, the plebe sensation uh, for Karen Gabera's women's soccer program, recently named to uh, the third team um, East region um, all coaches team for women's soccer um, after just a stellar freshman campaign uh, that saw you tally on the score sheet a bunch and and guide your teammates uh, to what we all thought was going to end with an NCAA berth. It was not to be uh, as it ended in the semis of the Patriot League tournament. Alexa, number one, it's awesome to see you again. The last time we saw you and, and your fellow plebe sensation Graziano uh, it was at the tent for the Navy football game, and we were interviewing you guys about what it was like, you know, during your plebe year here. Well, now it's Army Week. It's your first ever Army Week. Walk us through the emotions and what's going on with you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. But um, it is it is total chaos right now um, before Army Week. Everyone is super, super pumped up. Um Everything like there's all kinds of pranks going on in the halls to try and uh, boost the brigade morale. Um, my company actually has something really, really cool planned for tomorrow night. I'm not allowed to give too many details about that, but stay tuned for 27th company posts. Um, I'm super excited. Um, everyone has been telling me that it's like it's definitely a feeling that you won't forget. Just like even just marching onto the field, um, and obviously. I know what it's like to win a game against Army, so I'm, I'm hoping that the football team gets the same, and I, I hope that the brigade gets to experience that same feeling because um, I know that that's it's it's a really sick feeling. So <laughs> we agree with you on that. So walk us through Alexa, because you know not just because we're friends of the uh, women's soccer program, you know, but we, we're we're just you know obviously fans of great athletes, and we've been watching the entirety of the season. How have you evolved as a person um, since you showed up for I-Day and now here we are smack dab in the middle of Army Week, you know, finishing your first semester. How has it been for you? Was it as challenging as you thought? What were the things that were harder that you didn't expect to be as hard? And what were the things that were a lot easier than you, they, you thought they'd be? Yeah, um, I would say... Nothing is easy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Good answer. What... I'm sure. I'm sure your upperclassmen <laughs> might be listening to this. That's a very good answer. <laughs> well, it's not even like that's not even a front. Like I'm being so serious. I don't really know what I expected. Um, whenever I was coming into I Day, it definitely wasn't what I was presented with. Um, like I said, like I came in to the Naval Academy. You know, wanting to play soccer get a good education that's pretty much you know that was kind of where everything stemmed from and I was like oh it's pretty cool I'll have a job right after and they always say like 
it doesn't matter what the reason you came here for is. It's like what keeps you here. And that's so, so true because what keeps you here is the people. And like, that is something that I have like really, really come to know. Um, so like, I'd say that the hardest thing about this place is being able to balance everything. You know, they, they load so much onto your plate and tell you to do all of it, but they know full and well that you can't get all of it done. And, you know, you you're, you get set up to fail so that you can, in the end, succeed. So I think that that's something that it was really, really hard for me to adjust to. Um, coming out of high school, you know, I made, I made straight A's. I was always the best athlete or whatever, like varsity team captain, thought I was, you know, hot stuff. But you come here and every single person is the same. Every single person has something to brag about. Um, and that is like just really, really cool to be around so many people that are just such high caliber people. Um, like I said, I don't think that I, I would not say that anything that we do here is easy. Um, you know, the, the soccer team in itself, like they've got their motto, we do more. And that's so true. I mean, it's like how many other teams are going to be, are like running the beef test after a game day. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And then obviously we've also got like what we're doing in the halls every day. Like what, what other schools are besides the other service academies, of course, like how many, how many kids are actually sitting in six classes a day and then having to go to sports practice and march on practice or whatever, and still be expected to perform well in the field. Um, so it really is incredible to be a part of an institution that like, you just, you're so proud to be here. I'm so proud to be here. And I'd say well, that's like the, one of the biggest rewards. Well, we're proud that you're part of the program. And let me ask you a little bit about the program. You mentioned beating Army. You were able to tally um, in your very first match against Army, really helping your teammates go on a 6-0-2 run to end the year, culminating with you getting your eighth and ninth tallies uh, against Lafayette in the season finale. Um, and then it was not meant to be, it, I, I'm telling you, I'm remembering way back to the early 2000s as the O-Rep that Bucknell would just be the thorn in our side, particularly in the Patriot League tournament. How do you evaluate your first year with the program and does the future look bright? Absolutely. Um, the future is, it's, it's going to be awesome. We've got a great group of girls and um this year, I think we, we had a fantastic year. I love all of the girls. The team culture is definitely something else. Like it's, you don't get that. I visited other schools and obviously I'm not part of their programs, but just being able, like one of the things that really sold me on this place was seeing how everyone interacted with each other. And everyone is so, so close because you, you go through such hard things together, you know? Um, I would say that that, like once our team really, really started to get even closer with each other and like the classes started to intermix a little bit more, that is whenever we really hit the ground running. That is whenever we started winning more games and like everyone felt more comfortable. Um, so I think for the future, um, some of our goals are to kind of start that a little bit earlier is to kind of culminate those classes and like, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the class divide here whenever it's like a hierarchy and, you know, you got to respect your upperclassmen. Um, 
but on the team, it kind of has to be different so that we can all work together. So I think that that's one of our biggest, biggest goals for next year is to just be able to intermix everyone a lot earlier and win games even earlier. Cause I'm sure we, I'm sure, you know, we, we had a rough start to the season. Um, but like I said, as soon as we started pick, like pick it up, it was, we were unstoppable. And I hope that we can just get that way from the beginning next year. So say you are, you know, because everyone says, you know, even Chris Cervello will say, oh, 99 was the last real plebe summer. Um, you know, that was the last time that, that people had to actually go through the crucible. Everyone thinks that their plebe summer was the hardest. Say that you are, you know, talking, you've got a drag, you know, you're, you're walking someone around who's considering the Naval Academy. Say they're a great, you know, soccer player or soccer star to be like Ava Cervello down there in Palm Coast, Florida, or just like, you know, a regular person from your hometown in Texas thinking about coming to the Naval Academy. What do you say about what you've experienced in your first five to six months here to let them know that it's not something that they have to fear? You know, like, what, what do you say about the culture? I would say that you just have to embrace it. Um, this place is definitely one of those, it is what you make of it kind of things. And if you can laugh about the silly punishments that you get on, or if you can, if you can keep a positive attitude about anything, like you make you you can make it through this place you can make it through these first five and six months um it's whenever you start to get down and start um feeling sorry for yourself that that's whenever things kind of start to take over um and you get a little bit overwhelmed but i i just i would say that it's all worth it and i think that if you can if you can keep a smile on your face and you can laugh then this is definitely the place that you should be well i'm not trying to do lieutenant surface's job uh as the o rep but walk me through what was your hardest class this semester oh my goodness chemistry absolutely Yeah, not not a fun experience, I'm sure. So, like all good grades, I assume on final start, and I think what next week is the last day of classes, right? So we have our last week of class this week, but um, next week we have our finals. The last week is next week. All right. So all A's and B's, like the O rep isn't gonna have to write a mapper on you or anything. (laughs) Yeah, I do have all A's and B's. I'm hardly squeaking by in chemistry, but. uh, Hopefully we can get it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, best prank you've seen so far. And again, don't give away anything that's going to happen uh, tomorrow night with your company, but best prank of uh, your first army week so far. Um, so one of my, one of the girls on the soccer team, her company actually tied, like they, they took out, they took their training officer out of, out of his room and they and they carried him out to decord and they blindfolded him. It was really, really funny. Pictures were really, really funny. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you're not going <laughs> to see that at Michigan State or at Villanova, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. What, Alexa, thank you for giving us a viewpoint into what you know, a, a plebe's first Army week has been like. We certainly hope that your career starts off with not only you beating – uh army on the uh, soccer pitch but you beating army up there in uh in east rutherford on saturday as we go out just just let us embrace the pain with you what time does the bus leave on saturday morning i honestly do not even know i've heard rumors that it's going to be like four o'clock in the morning 
Um, oh. I'm, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's no fun. Well, uh, try to enjoy that bus ride as much as you can. It's not as bad as going up to like Hamilton or Worcester uh, for those road trips, but that's uh, that's still a pretty good jaunt. But we're uh, we're hoping that you're warm, stay dry, it's supposed to rain, and let's beat Army. Thank you so much. Beat them. All right. That was Alexa Riddle, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we have our next interview. This is Sing Second Sports. For the last several podcasts, you've heard our guests talk about the great new Army-Navy uniforms that just came out. Well, all the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available by clicking on the shop tab at NavySports.com. All of your favorite jerseys, polos, and t-shirts, and the new Army-Navy merchandise is just a click away at NavySports.com. And if you're like the Sing Second team, there's always Navy gear and Navy tickets under the tree this time of year. Visit NavySports.com backslash tickets to purchase your Navy basketball tickets today. They make the perfect Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, you name it, they make the perfect gift for any Navy fan. Now back to the pod. All right, hey, hey, we are back here on Sing Second Sports. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. It is now time for our coaches segment, and we are so happy to be joined by wrestling coach Kerry Kolat, just back from Vegas. Um, and like to hear, coach, number one, just right off the bat, how did the trip to Vegas go? How did the boys perform? Where where do you see this in terms of a barometer of how the team's going to do this year? Well, I, you know, I think it's early for that. Everything is is just about moving forward and and, and slowly you continue to get better and climb as, as we get closer to Detroit. But um, I thought, uh, you know, I don't feel like we got outmatched in the bouts that we lost. I thought we competed. I thought we wrestled. Um, you know, we, you always find mistakes, you find good and you find bad when you're coming out of an event like this. And Vegas is one of the tougher tournaments in the country. Um, the next good one we'll hit is Midlands, which will be another solid one. And it's, it's the best competition you can get besides the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, the, the, the ugly would be, I think we lost some matches in the last couple seconds. Um, not a good job of, of match management, as we would say, you know, you don't, you don't let a guy score late in a match in a period and you, you definitely, um, if you got to ride somebody, you ride somebody if there's a few seconds on the clock. Um, but then I saw some guys, um, you know, really battle against some, some top opponents and, and they were in the match. And so we've got months of correction and, um, and then they got their feet wet, you know, with, with some solid competition. And, and as the year goes on, it'll get better. So let me ask you coach, because we've been talking about how, unbelievably hard the football schedule was this year we were talking to louis nicolau about all of like the elite particularly west coast teams that he scheduled for water polo this year how much of your schedule is you like are you finding these tournaments are you particularly choosing certain engagements and certain opportunities because it is a tougher match and it is tougher competition or is your schedule kind of dictated to you no, no, we, we arrange our schedule, um, you know, and, it, it, you know, as they say, to, to be the best, you got to you got to beat the best. And, and so um, being in the EIWA, we're fortunate. We're one of the toughest conferences in, in the in the country. Um, so we've always got a good conference schedule. And then you, you sprinkled in with with, um, you know, two day two day events that that will make you a, a better program and give you guys uh, more experience and getting ready for the, the NCAA tournament. So Vegas is a tough one. We pick Midlands is a solid one. We pick, um, you know, and then we, we have our own conference schedule and, and then the conference dual meet. So, um, 
you know, but yeah, we lay it out as a staff. So uh, just looking at Jacob Allen's uh, results at Cliff Keen out there in Vegas, I mean, he starts off um, after a buy round, um, you know, wrestling a kid from Stanford and then a kid from Purdue and then a kid from Harvard. Um, you know, it, it, walking around with all of these other schools, and this is old hat for you. You've been doing it for a while. But, you know, what do you hear from your wrestlers about having this opportunity, not only to get to travel to Vegas after all of the COVID crap, but, you know, getting the opportunity to compete against some of these other elite schools? Well, it, it's not really a shock to most of our guys. I mean, most of the kids we have in our program were, were, were top recruits. You know, they, they've traveled nationally before they even got here. So, um, but it was good, like you said, to be on a plane as a team again, to travel to compete. And then, you know, like any team, you've got your jokes that happen along the way and the memories that you make, you know, and, and the team bonding. So it, it was, it was a good atmosphere in the hotel, a good atmosphere in the flights and, and just really good to be out with the guys, you know, last year you, you were in a box and you only had so many events and we couldn't really go anywhere. So um, it was good to be out and kind of being back to normal. So getting back to normal, you also have a tough one on Saturday um, wrestling Maryland there at Xfinity Center, which is probably about the only good sport that's getting played at Xfinity Center in College Park right now. A 6 p.m. start um, over there in College Park. You know, I know that all your guys are singularly focused on the competition laying ahead. As they're waiting for 6 p.m. to start, do you let them, like, get into a room and watch the Army-Navy game? How, how does the preparation go? They'll, they'll each do their own thing to, to mentally get ready. I mean, they'll, they'll get up in the morning. We'll roll around here before we jump on the bus and head down there. And then they'll, they'll roll around again to make weight, um, you know, and then, then we'll get out there and compete. So some of them, will, I'm sure, are going to be following the Army-Navy game. Some might be sleeping. Some might be listening to their music with their headphones on. So they all, they all have different ways of doing things. So, um, but that's pretty much on them besides the workouts that we'll put them through to get ready for the duel. So Army-Navy week, you know, is a lot about pranks. We were just hearing from Alexa Riddle on the women's soccer team about some of the pranks that she's seen. You know, when, when are you expecting someone like Jay Antonelli to come in and try to, like, duct tape you to your chair and, like, you know, push you out in the middle of, uh, of the parade field or anything like that? You think anyone's going to have the, uh, the guts to try a prank on you, Coach? No, if it would, it'd be one of my guys, but I, I know one of my guys got water balloon today going up a, a flight of stairs or something. So I, I and I, I'm still kind of new. I remember I took over during COVID and so we didn't have a normal year. So I'm still learning all the traditions. This is my real first year at, at the Naval Academy. So I knew Air Force was a big prank week. I didn't realize Army was a big prank week as well. So, but uh, yeah, so we had a water balloon incident, but everybody seems to be good. Uh, before I let Chris Cervello ask a couple of questions, you know, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. You know, you're seeing Army Week kind of for the first time. Um, you know, what does it mean to you? You know, I know that you probably have something that you tell recruits about having the opportunity to wrestle against the very best, either, you know, out at Cliff Keen or at Midlands. Um, you know, but what is it about, you know, this week? What is it about the opportunity to have this Army-Navy rivalry? How much of it has sunk into you? Yeah, you 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 learn it pretty fast when when you start working at the the Naval Academy. So it's it's um, you know when we tell recruits you're going to be part of the biggest rivalry in sports, plain and simple. Uh, that's the way it is, and and um, it's a big deal. And and everybody wants to win their their star match or their star game, and, and it's bragging rights all year, as they say. So uh, it, it, you learn quickly uh, the Army Navy duels, Chris. 
Coach John and I were lucky enough to make it uh, over to the Navy Classic. We were there for about an hour or so and, you know, watched some of the matches. What's How have the guys responded to um, wrestling in front of um, spectators and kind of that changed environment that you were talking about between last year and this year? They love it. You know, I mean, as an athlete, to be one of the best, you you have to be able to compete in any kind of arena. And, and some of those will be hostile arenas and some of them might be empty. And um, but it's definitely easier when when you have a crowd, it does make it easier. The hype gets going. The crowd gets loud. You know, you score some points and it's just momentum that you can pick up, especially in a dual meet. And um, so they enjoy it. They like it. They missed it. And uh, it's, it's good to have it back. Last question for me, you mentioned, you know, still early in the season, but do you want to call a few guys out that you're pleased with at this point that, you know, whether it's young guys or whether it's uh, some veterans that are performing above where you thought they were? Yeah, well, I think, you know, what we talk about on the team, any great team, if you look at it in, in the sport of wrestling, it's always five. Five seems to be the magic number at the NCAA tournament to to get your team up there in the top 10 or top five. You got five guys doing something. Uh, you know, so we just talk about we talk about five all the time. We have to be consistent. We need to have five guys. You're, you're going to have a you're going to have a meet where somebody's up, um, you know, that typically, you know, you weren't counting on and somebody you are counting on is down and somebody's got to step in and replace them. So, you know, I think right now we're, we're, we're working toward that consistency of, of having five solid guys every time we compete. And the goal is to get it to six and seven. You know, I, I think Jacob Allen is, has brought himself down from I mean, from 133 to 125. He did it unbelievably he's 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 disciplined about it he's looking great at the weight um josh coderhan you know originally we thought was coming in at 125 he's at 133 a plebe he's looking solid he's getting better every week he's he's um you know if he takes a hit he's mentally recovered and, and working on the corrections and you know i, I andrew siniglia has been solid jake coz has been solid it, you know we've got good depth at a lot of weights you know that's you're you're only as strong as your depth i mean heavyweight we've got you know, three solid guys in the room. It's tough to have depth at heavyweight. You know, it's hard to find big guys in our sport. And um, so we feel good about that weight class. I mean, um, David Key is, 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 you know, right now start off a little slow, but, you know, David tends to do that, you know, and, and I'm sure he'll pull himself out of it. He's, he's in there fixing it and he's staying positive with himself. And so it's, it's up and down a little bit sometimes. Um, but those are the guys right now that, that ring a bell and you saw it at Cliff Keen, Coderhan, Allen, and, Sir Niglia, we're all on the stand. Um, I don't think we've, we've Navy's done that in a while at Las Vegas and had three place winners. I think we could have been higher. We lost those guys lost, you know, a few matches in the last couple seconds, um, but they were in the matches. And even the guys that didn't quite make the stand, uh, I don't feel like we really got outclassed in, in most matches we were in. We were in every bout, you know, and that's what we wanted to see. As we go out, I'm obviously going to ask you for your prediction on Saturday. Um, obviously we're expecting and hoping for a big win there in college park, but you know, it, just observing as a sports fan and as a member of the Navy staff, what's your prediction for the army Navy game up there in East Rutherford? Go Navy. Of course. There it is. I like it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, coach Kerry Colat of Navy wrestling joining us circle some dates on your calendar, please. Uh, we mentioned Midlands that's December 29th and 30th out there in Illinois and then if you're looking to survive the dark ages, ladies and gentlemen, circle Friday, February 18th at 7.30 p.m. on your calendar. That is when Coach Colat and the wrestlers take on Army at Alumni Hall. Circle that date, attend, and scream for your wrestlers doing everything they can to sing second. 
We are going to go to break. When we come back, we have our next interview. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our Army Week sponsors, Academy Consulting, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar, the Montana 3000 Podcast, Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, the Graduate Hotel in Annapolis, and Allegiance Flag Supply. Please visit our sponsors either in person or on the web. And a special thank you for all of their support during this great week and throughout the fall sports season. Hey, we are back. Uh, before we go out, we have a great guest here uh, representing the Alumni Association and a return visitor to the pod. And if Chris Cervello and I might say so ourselves, runs a pretty darn good tailgate um, out there on the blue side. Craig Washington of the Alumni Association. First of all, Craig, thank you for coming back. And, and second of all, what can you tell everyone about the Alumni Association and what they have planned up there in the Meadowlands for this weekend? Yeah, it's a different, different territory. You know, you get, you get uh, used to being in Philly and everything kind of goes like, uh, like a train, you know? So when they, we go to a different city, we got to change some things up. So there's a, there's a venue just slightly off, off uh, campus there at MetLife. Uh, it's right by the racetrack. We'll have a, an indoor alumni association tailgate there. We should have about 800, 800 or so in that. It's going to be raining. So um, hope, hope not too bad, but uh uh, I, I would imagine it's going to bring as many as, as we can indoors uh, during parts of the day. But um, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, you know, I, I think we have an opportunity. I, I, I liked Coach Ken throwing some pass plays against Temple just to, uh, just to make, make uh, you know, Army start questioning their pass defense. So uh, I'm hoping we see some, uh, some creativity on offense uh, this weekend. So walk me through how the fall went. You know, when we first talked to you, we were we were just kicking off reunion season again. And and obviously it wasn't like walking on eggshells, but obviously we had to be a little bit careful about how this whole thing was going to go as we were emerging from COVID. You know, as you sit back and evaluate it, as you're planning your, you know, your kind of big finish during Army-Navy, how did the reunion season go and, and how do you see it morphing in the years to come? That's great. Uh, you know, we, we had to cancel a lot of the reunion activity, obviously, in 2020 in the fall. So a lot of that bow waved into 21. We typically would see 14, maybe 15 reunions uh, in, in, a, in a typical fall. 7,500 to 8,000 alumni would be a normal fall. Um, this fall, we saw 22 reunions, and there was over 11,000 back on the yard, um, which is which is great. Uh, it did pressurize our uh, ability to, to meet that demand. Um, but uh, Chet and the team from NAAA did a great job out at the stadium to accommodate those larger crowds. Um, we, we had more than, uh, you know, more than we, we uh, planned for, but it's a, it's a healthy thing when so many of your alum want to come back and be a part of uh, the tradition. Uh, plus, it, it allows us to get our alumni in a room with the soup and to, it helps clarify things. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, you, you two guys are PAOs, you know, there's a lot of false information out there and it spreads like wildfire. Um, but when you get the soup on stage and you can address things, you know, you know, person to person and, and answer questions, it, it definitely helps dampen some things out so that uh, he can eliminate some of those false rumors that are out there. So speaking of the Alumni Association, if anyone's been driving up there by uh, the baseball field, 
you'll notice that the sight lines have changed a tiny bit. I mean, Gone is my favorite, like, like scene from a horror movie, that old mail building with the red brick. Now all those... <laughs> All those buildings are coming down as the Alumni Association has broken ground on the new Alumni Center. Craig, walk us through, you know, the timeline and and how it's going so far. Sure. Yeah, you know, again, COVID uh, did did slow some things down. You know, you have to work with the Maryland Department of the Environment and the Critical Area Commission because you're within 100 feet of the water, you know, on most of that property. And so there's specific environmental um rules and regulations, permissions, drawings uh, that have to be all stamped and approved. And so with COVID, it, it definitely slowed things down. A process that should have taken you know, five or six months, it took us 13 months to get all of the, the final signatures on our approvals to get going. But um, November the 18th, we, we started knocking some buildings down. And uh, if you go to our website, usna.com, uh, right on the right on the front of the website, there's links to a live camera. Um, so you can click on the live camera, and I have a camera posted up on top of the power plant, and it looks down over the uh, the campus there. And you can see every 30 minutes it takes a still photo, and you can see the progress that's been made. All the buildings are down. Um, there's nothing but I'm um, looking at it right now. There's just a pile of rubble, and uh, we've got some backhoes out there picking up the pile of rubble. Um, it's we're on track. Uh, we're we're right on right on track, right on plan um, from a from a calendar perspective. We'll have uh, we'll have you know more of the landscape taken care of here before Christmas, and then after Christmas in early January we'll start laying concrete, and uh, and then you're going to start seeing uh, the actual size of of the the building that's going in. Um, 65,000 square foot building will go in on that piece of land. And uh, it should be under roof by September and substantial completion by March of 2023. And uh, then, you know, in that later part of the spring, we'll be making sure all the outfitting and technology and uh, all the, the plantings and stuff are done around the campus. Um, looking forward to a, a late spring move in into 2023 and then hopefully hosting activity there in the fall for the 2023 football schedule. That would be pretty awesome. So um, before we let you go, I have to ask you, you know, from the great class of 89, what is your favorite memory of the army Navy game? What sticks out? Oh, why? Well, I'm not, I think the statute of limitations is probably passed, but uh, we also played in New York my senior year and um I had a I had a uniform. Uh, one of my one of my best friends from high school was visiting. He went to Penn State, and one of my buddies was a football player, and I had his uniform. So I put the uniform on my buddy from Penn State, and he marched into the football stadium with us. Um, he was actually going to be our my mule to to sneak booze into the stadium, um, but it turned out he ended up staying in that uniform all day long. So uh, I'm not sure I can still get in trouble for that. It's been a day or two, but uh, I have some great, great memories, great photos from that. His, his father was uh, particularly happy to see his son in uniform that day. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a little crazy, but. Uh, <laughs> That's the content we're here for, Craig. I mean, that is why you are a repeat guest. You know, when, when we're talking about muling booze into the Meadowlands, that, that is why we're here. Well, 
he he paid me back. I, I went to his his uh, graduation at Penn State, and uh, he surprised me with a cap and gown. So I I graduated from Penn State. You know, turned the tassel. His mom was not very happy with us that day, but uh, <laughs> um, he, he got he we got even. So all right. Well, before we let you go, what's your prediction for uh, Saturday? And by the way, I just got the text from Byron. I really appreciate it. Make that uh, numbers eight hundred one and eight hundred two for Chris Cervello and me there in the Alumni Association tent. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah great. great. Thanks for inviting us. That's uh, I just, great. of course. But uh, but what's your prediction for Saturday? I think we're going to throw in first down a couple of times. Uh, I think uh, weather is going to be a factor. Um, it's going to be a tight game. But uh, we have to throw the ball a couple of times. And, you know, it's going to be 24-21 Navy. That's what we like to hear. That's how we will end this podcast as well. What another great daily pod. We are out. Let's beat Army. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.